I'm gonna like re-listen to this podcast and be like what the heck was I talking about and why did I say like 15 times Happy New Year, and welcome back to our first episode of Cultured and Loud for 2021. I'm Scott, and I'm here with my co-host, Christine. Hey, y'all. So I'm super excited to introduce today's guest, the main character of the CSC, our favorite SLU student, and yet another four on this podcast, Julia Murphy. Um, Julia is one of this year's interns, one of my favorite people to dissect new Taylor Swift songs with. Um, complain about campaigns in the political state of America with, and the only person who has attempted this year to stop me from having the work schedule of a Hallmark character. So Julia, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Hi everyone, Um, it's so good to be here. Thanks Scott and Christine for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited. Um, So yeah, as Christine said, I am an intern at the CSC this year. I'm very passionate about social justice, which is a lot of stuff that I do at the CSC. Um, And I, yeah, um, I went to SLU. So I've been, I've lived in St. Louis for four years. And then I was in Ecuador for eight months um, as a volunteer. And I've been at the CSC since August. So really grateful to be here. Awesome. Glad to have you here. All right. Well, let's just jump into the conversation today. So, how's everyone's new year going so far? (laughs) Well, starting off strong with a political coup, I think I was hoping 2021 would be a little smoother than 2020, but we're off to a little bit of a rough start. But, you know, I still have high hopes. More people are getting vaccinated, so have hopes that, Mm. you know, as the year progresses, things will be a little less chaotic in the world. So, yeah. (laughs) I think I'm kind of in a similar boat, but I pretty much lost like all track of time starting from March last year. So days, weeks, months are all kind of the same in my head. But so I was really, I like didn't come in with 2021 as like as many high hopes as most people did. So I think that helps a little bit didn't set any new year's resolutions or goals because I was like we're in a pandemic let's not do that to ourselves um (laughs) but attempted coup seeing people from my hometown travel internationally amid a global pandemic and then some it's been nothing if not an eventful start to the year Scott what about you yeah yeah I want to just retweet all of that um (laughs) yep wild start already um But yeah, I know for me, just the transition to the new year, um, honestly, it was just like, oh, just another day, another week. Um, Yeah, like I'm kind of in the same boat as you, Christine, just using my um, track of time and such. Um, Yeah, and just like enjoying my last couple of days of of break before um, I'm back in school for my last semester of didactic work so super exciting um definitely ready to be back um at least i would say 80 percent of me is 
Um, I did enjoy like the new routine um, that I had like during break. Uh, it was just really nice to actually, you know, sit back and, you know, relax and, you know, be intentional about leisure time. Um, I had the coolest schedule too. Um, I would get up every morning at like eight and then um, do morning prayer and then do some workouts and then just um, do some reading afterwards. Um, I'm one of those people who has like a really bad habit of starting five books at once and not ever finishing them. So I, I've been working on that. Um, what are you reading? So I just finished um, a book called The Ethics of Encounter um, by Marcus Mesher. And it's kind of like a, a Catholic social teaching type of book. It's talking about um, our hyper-polarized culture in America and, you know, just ways that we can, you know, just kind of like bridge that gap and just meet each other um, in the middle and, you know, encounter each other uh, just wherever we're at. And it was super cool. It used a lot of examples from uh, Father Greg Boyle and Homeboy Industries, uh, which I absolutely love. So that was really neat. Um, I'm also reading the Idiot by Fyodor Dostoevsky. Um, it's been one on my shelf for a while, and I've um, I started like one page of it, but I never got back to it. Um, but now now we're working on that. Um, I think I got some Jane Austen coming up next as well. Yes. Um, and I think oh yeah, I'm also reading Story of a Soul, um, Saint Therese's auto bio so <laughs> got, got a long ways to go there but some good literature i've been enjoying it a lot nice i actually i've heard of that first one i i recently heard um, marcus mesher speak um and i so when you said that i was like wait a second i know that name but i totally yeah. did the same thing with like reading a million books at once and like i always justify it like oh well, if they're different genres then it's fine like if i'm mm -hmm. reading like, a novel and a spiritual book and like a nonfiction book, then I'm like, oh, it's totally fine. But I love asking what people are reading. So thanks yes. for me. The same way with starting like a million things. I have a horrendous habit of like starting new shows, books, movies, like anything in between hobbies. Um, and they just all kind of stay there incomplete for a really long time. And it doesn't bother me in the same way. I know like my best friend Angela, um, it drives her absolutely insane watching me act <laughs> like this, but I think for me, like, the initial, like, rush of serotonin is always, like, starting it, um, and then once that serotonin dies down, like, I need more serotonin and go, like, do other things, um, and just kind of forget to come back to it, like, I have a book on my shelf that I've, like, so I started reading it my senior year of high school when I was interviewing for college to, like, be able to, like, talk about books that I was reading at interviews, um, because my, mm -hmm. I don't know, I think I've gifted child burnout, but I, like, used to read, like, three books every day, like, when I was a child. Um, it was, like, a weird Same. contest for me. Um, I just wanted to read, and they were, like, not, like, short books either. Like, I would just sit there for hours and hours and hours and read. Um, but after I got into high school, like, mm -hmm. I stopped reading for a really long time just because, like, assignments and stuff, like, started picking up, and I was reading, like, thousands of articles, like, a week for debate. Um, so... I've been trying to get back into it, but like getting back into old habits, I feel like is almost as hard as like starting like new good ones. Yeah, I I totally 
am the same way about like I was an English I was a double major English and Spanish and so I was constantly reading and writing in two different languages in college so on in my free time I did not want to read because that one didn't feel like a break to me so like when you're in school and when you're doing a lot of reading you're you're off time you want it to feel actually energizing but if you're doing the same thing that you do in your day-to-day life then it doesn't feel fun so I don't know when you're not in school you kind of have to like reteach yourself to like reading again and and it takes some time but then it's, it's really fun he just reminded me that I have a I have a book on my shelf that I started sophomore year of high school and I never finished. Now it's gonna bother me. <laughs> I'm it's never to too late. Yeah. Oh, I see it. I see it. Okay. Well, I, have to add that to I, now. I put it off so long that I forget what happened at the beginning. So when I come <laughs> yeah. back, it's like reading a new book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I totally get that. I'm like, who are these people? What's happening? You know, just have to start reading it again, um, which is which is also really nice. Um, like I've forgotten what it's like to be lost in a book for like a couple of hours, and it's it's really freeing and so cool. Um, you know, just to be immersed in that world and you know taking part like somehow, like your character in like the story like of that book somehow. <laughs> What were your favorite books, like, when you were a kid? And, like, what did you read uh, that you, like, can vividly remember? Because I know in middle school, I had a weird dystopian novel phase where I just read every other dystopian novel on the planet. And, like, I can them now in retrospect, which is so interesting to me, because I read the entire Hunger Games series, like, the entire Divergent series, the Selection mm-hmm. series. Um, Classic. Anything that was, like, in a popular at the time I was a library aide in middle school so like one of my classes <laughs> for the day was literally just shelving books um which made me realize how much I hate monotonous work but it was fun like being able to like be behind the desk and like check out my own books and like wave like mm-hmm. deadlines and stuff for my book that I was turning in uh, I felt so powerful I was really into the Nancy Drew books mm-hmm. um that that's something that I they mm-hmm. I was really into those Mm -hmm. Um, that series for a while. I didn't get into Harry Potter until like seventh grade, which is kind of late. But um, as Christine mentioned, I'm a four on the Enneagram and um, through and through, I was a very four child. So anything that was like very popular, I was like, oh, I'm not going to read that. Like, that's what everyone's (laughs) doing. So I'm not going to do it. And then when I finally read them, I was like, okay, these are really good. And I was really into Harry Potter. Like other girls. Not like other girls. I didn't want to read Harry Potter. Um, and then I was like, why did I wait so long to read these? They're actually really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, did yeah, you ever have a Twilight phase? I didn't. I read the first book. <laughs> I read the first Twilight book in sixth grade when they were like really big. And then, um, yeah, somehow, somehow I got to Twilight before I got to Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> um, I read the first one and I saw the first movie with my friends. And I think I like thought it was so ridiculous because the movie yeah. like, I know some people make arguments that it's like actually good and that like people just like make fun of it like I don't know just to make fun of it but like I remember thinking the movie was pretty ridiculous in sixth grade and so I never actually (laughs) finished I think I started the second book and like I feel like it's pretty common commonly a commonly held opinion that the second book is like really boring at the beginning so that's as far as I got Mm -hmm. and I stopped reading and so I never actually finished the rest of them so 
I was really into Nancy Drew, like in elementary school. And I remember also being really into series of unfortunate events. Like I was obsessed. Yes. With oh my gosh. Me too. Oh, same. Yeah. And like the Netflix adapt, like the Netflix adaptation of it is actually like really good. Like yeah, I like yeah. did not have a problem yes. with it. Um, I watched the first movie they tried to make years back. But, like I wasn't a big fan of that one, but the Netflix one is actually really, really good. And like, I think they do a good job of like incorporating all like the parts of like, cause it's so like complex, like the letters that he mm-hmm. writes to like, his girl and like also like the actual like plot of the novel I don't know that's like one of my favorite like styles of writing I never got into Harry Potter though and like people at the CSC still give me grief for it like I've never read a Harry Potter book never read a Harry Potter movie um and you never read the movie I never read the movie (laughs) I didn't read the movie Um, I'm kidding I'm kidding (laughs) my words are just not here today um when I was a junior in high school I was really manifesting going out of state and like going to like a top tier like preppy college so I would like drive to this library um and like set out all my books there as if I were a college student putting like, I had a U Chicago shirt that I would wear to the library um I'd like have all my books out and just like I was like low-key manifesting it at the time um and like working there but then having some sort of like Harry Potter holiday party while I was working and I was like one kind of annoyed because I was like doing an assignment or something like that but I remember the lady was just talking about, like, serving these kids butterbeer. And I was like, bro, these kids are underage. Like, what's going on? And I called <laughs> my friends. And I was like, I'm so confused. I need you to explain what's going on to me. Um, they're, like, running around in robes at this library. I'm just trying to do my homework. Um, and this lady's talking about serving these kids butterbeer. Like, why? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, and I remember, like, they will never, like, hear, let me hear the end of it um, and how confused I was as they were just, like, running around, like, reading these, like, spells or whatever it is and like talking about their houses um end up leaving but I feel like the like opinions on Harry Potter are like a very stark like Gen Z millennial divider which is funny because a lot of times Mm. it's hard to tell like which is which like I was born in 1996 so like some people say like Gen Z starts then some people say it's 97 95 whatever so I have always felt like I'm very much and Scott maybe you would agree yeah. with it very much on the the border between millennial and gen z but i feel like mm-hmm. harry potter is very much like millennials are obsessed with harry potter and like gen z mm-hmm. like makes fun of millennials for being obsessed with harry potter so i don't know <laughs> that seems like that seems like quite the the divide i don't know if if you agree with mm-hmm. that christine as a very obviously gen z member <laughs> <laughs> Well, my parents, like, were never into it, so most people figure out the books and, like, the plot from their parents or older siblings, and I'm the oldest, so I just never mm-hmm. got exposed to it, and by the time, well, the Archbishop of my diocese also put out, like, a statement about, like, not reading Harry Potter, too, so that complicated it oh, even no. further, because I remember no. this um, not one of those taking because I was friends with this girl in fifth grade, and she was <laughs> obsessed with Harry Potter so this grade me wanting to conform uh was like I'm gonna read Harry Potter and I'm gonna just get caught up like I read super fast which like is true um yeah but I remember checking out the book and my parents being like no did you not see the letter the archbishop wrote we need to be really careful about the media um, and what we allow in our houses (laughs) so then like I'm just passed Oh, I totally get that. <laughs> oh, Jesse. Oh, no. You made Jesse pop up. 
Gotta love it. That's so funny. Uh, well, Christine, I had the opposite experience. My family actually loved Harry Potter. Um, and yeah, it was my dad who got me into Harry Potter in the third grade. Um, so before I got into Harry Potter, I was um, introduced to Tolkien. Um, and I was a, a mere first grader. Uh, my dad also loved Tolkien, um, like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and all of that. And I mean, anyone who knows me knows that it's my all-time favorite series. Yeah, so Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, um, yes, series of unfortunate events, um, which <laughs> I actually got to uh, a chance to read again um, in an undergrad when I was taking a children's literature class at the School of Pharmacy, <laughs> which was, was totally awesome. It was probably one of my favorite classes ever. I like, we got to read Alice in Wonderland. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is my part of my childhood. Um, Alice in Wonderland, um, Jungle Book, and you know, just like other, other books like that. Um, they're super, co super cool. Um, just <clears throat> like, there's a lot of, I think, depth to books that are, are meant for children um, because you know just being you know at, at that age um, like your sense of like wonder and awe and wanting to know like everything about your surroundings and about like the world it, it, it's so pure and like everything is just a new experience and I think that's just that's super cool and um, I don't know for me like that's kind of like part of my personality um, just to be like excited by um, new experiences in life and yeah, just taking it all in, you know? <laughs> How I see literature as like a way to make, it's a way to make meaning of the world. And like, I think sometimes we underestimate kids and young adults too. I think young adult literature is a really important yeah. um, genre. And I think kids and, and, and young people have just as much of a need to make meaning of the world and um and so yeah I would I would agree with that I wish I got to take a children's literature class Scott that sounds really cool I also find it really interesting that children's literature and books were such a big part of my childhood because we didn't have internet growing up um and being in a house of so many kids you got to find some way to be the main character and now my cousins are in <laughs> elementary school but they don't read at all um which is so really? interesting to me to me it makes me really sad but um well they're also in zoom school right now which complicates things even more um yeah. they send me their assignments sometimes and they're absolutely <clears throat> hilarious um they like have to record these videos of themselves acting out things for like to practice like verbs and stuff um or they'll try <laughs> to teach them these really like quirky ways to do math um and then i just end up teaching them the actual way to do it that's easy um and their teachers kind of get a little annoyed um for it because are you taking shortcuts again I think knowing shortcuts is good. Why work hard when you don't have to? Because um, the they teach actual them, ways. <laughs> they teach them how to like multiply numbers that have two digits, like twenty times sixty-five or something like that. They draw yeah. this matrix kind of thing, um, and like have to add the num. There's like a way to do it where you can like draw like lines and add numbers and like add the. There's a I don't know. 
I don't know how it works, but I told him that I could teach him how to do it in the time it would take for him to draw the box, like how to actually get the answer. Um, and you know children in satisfaction. Um, so now he won't learn the triangle way. His teacher's a little annoyed, but it is what it is. You know, they asked for a keyboard for Christmas. They're really obsessed with online gaming. Uh, so when they're not in class, that's all they're doing. And they have this really excessively large like gaming keyboard that's like rainbow it glows makes really loud noises because they said when they like talk to people online like, yell at them they like they like they're like if you're going to be mean to people online like the sound needs to be like satisfying um so this keycap has a really satisfying sound apparently oh no <laughs> they play a lot of online server games um oh no nothing like i was when i was a child <laughs> Yeah, I that that's kind of kind of like my brother growing up. Um <laughs> he's also into that kind of stuff. Um <clears throat> I was a kid who would always ask my parents to drop me off at the library or Barnes and Noble for a couple of hours and then pick me up during the evening. <laughs> Which I'm sad because they closed the bookstore by my house. That is really sad. Yeah, the library, the local library near my house was probably the first place I was allowed to like go alone because I would like walk there. And there was like a yeah. subway next to it too. So I would like get a subway. I would like go to the library and then go to subway. It was like a big deal, which is funny because then we've talked about this, I think. Subway is, I know Subway's on WashU's campus, but it's also on SLU's campus. And so I've gotten mm -hmm. tired of Subway since because I had it so much in mm -hmm. college. So it's kind of sad thinking that was like a cool thing for me growing up and then it became the worst <laughs> that sounds like a really solid day <laughs> wow i think i should try that sometime actually <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah yeah that's that's your day right there <laughs> jesse why don't we want to talk about subway Look, as a theater student, um, like I worked at Edison, and if you know okay, anything yeah. about Edison, yeah, yeah, you know that our shifts were at night because it's during shows, and the only thing open at Washu at like 9 p.m. when we had our lunch break was Subway, mm. so I ate a lot of Subway a lot of it but you know what she was a reliable and what more can a little gay girl ask for you know what i mean Word. my toxic trait is that when i go to get food or to order food from places i never try new things because i have a set mental budget for what you can buy like in terms of food and like eating out just because eating out is so expensive um yeah and so I'm always scared if I order something new, it's not going to give me as much satisfaction as the thing that I always order. So then I'll have like wasted my time going there. I'll have like ordered something I don't like um, and I won't want to eat it. And my friends and I have, I, I've been like this for forever. So my friends are like, we already know your order. Like you're going to get the same thing every single time. Um, <laughs> it's always a strawberry side refresher from Starbucks. It's always an Italian BMT um, from Subway. And it's always uh, at this Good little choice. pizza place by my um, which is so much better than Emo's Pizza in St. Louis. My, I hate Emo's Pizza, um, very much so. But this local pizza joint by my house, mm -hmm. um, it's always this pepperoni pizza. 
pizza pizza which is just four different types of pepperoni on this like thin crust pizza and it's that it's the best thing i've ever had in my life um mm, okay that sounds amazing yeah. mm. that sounds uh, amazing. are you someone who orders the same thing when you go to a place or do you like to mix it up sorry i'm Honestly, acting like a podcast host but <laughs> oh so. no, yeah yeah feel free to um but yeah honestly it depends on on the mood um i'm usually um yeah i'm usually like like christine um i know what i want going in and you know it just you know make makes it makes it quick and efficient i guess it's i'm usually um, on the move i'm going from one place to the next um but yeah like when i don't really have that much to do, or uh, if, if I'm finding a way to creatively loiter, um, I'd, I'd be more adventurous in, in my food choices. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> about you? I am someone who, I, I, I mix it up, because I like, yeah. I want to try everything. So I, I do, I, I, I feel you, Christine, about like, you know what like the price range, that's definitely a thing. But I do like to mix it up so that I can like eventually have tried everything. And then if I have like a favorite, sure. But I definitely am not the same thing every time kind of person. Maybe that mm-hmm. may, just makes me quirky. I don't know. You're just different. <laughs> what else? No, I have to order the same thing. And the only time I ever try something that's different on the menu is if they don't have the thing that I want. Um, as you witnessed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but pro when tip. Berries doesn't have cookies ice cream. My heart just breaks a little yeah. bit. So sad. Don't worry, Christine. Deerberg's has a good stock. I'll keep bringing you some. <laughs> also, um, when I was growing up, my family, like, hated the fact that I would order the same thing every single time because they'd be like, why don't you try something different? You might like something else. Or, like, these things are value so they were big buffet fans at the time but I think buffets are one of those things that like I did before COVID but I think that post-COVID I'm never going to be able to do it again um just because now I'm so hyper vigilant about you know like other people touching things being able to like social distance and like buffets are kind of nasty they they, like have the like tongs there that like people mix in like with a bunch of different foods you don't know who grabbed them like before you did yeah. You don't know how long food's been sitting out there. Um, mm-hmm. But growing up, my family was obsessed with buffets. I thought Golden Corral was the fanciest Same. place on earth. When they had the little chocolate fountain, I thought I was just so bougie. And we were just so rich for going to Golden Corral. I totally, totally get that. Um, <laughs> my family was also very big in buffets. And um, yeah, and whenever we would visit our extended family and like, like, um, like the Vietnamese like Catholic community for some reason we would always go to Golden Corral <laughs> and like the priest he just loves it <laughs> Julia you've never had Golden Corral no it's I really? don't think it's as much of a big thing like where I'm I'm from Cleveland and there there are a lot of restaurants that are like more like deep Midwest and so they're like really common like here and like you know like in Missouri and in um, in Kansas and Oklahoma, whatever, but like some that are not as big, um, like in Northeast Ohio. So I think Golden Corral might be one of those. Chick-fil-A is one of those. They have it, but like 
they're more mm-hmm. they're they're kind of found more sparingly same with um sure. culvers i don't know if you guys know yeah you culvers. Know. <laughs> no culvers in ohio culvers is more like northern like it's very like wisconsin indiana like but it's here and there's no culvers in northeast ohio which is sad because culvers is like amazing i have one of my best friends in college worked at culver's in high school and she's from wisconsin and so she kept all of her like culver's t-shirts and she like gave them out to us because she like talked about it all the time mm-hmm. and my favorite one says curd nerd because you know they have like cheese curds there yeah always get the cheese a, curd um a cheese curd wearing like nerdy glasses so that was kind of off kind of random but i've never been to golden corral so I would go since you two have it's, talked about it. Um, would not recommend. No, it's not amazing. <laughs> no, it's not a good experience. It's not great at all. It's one of those things that like every dish there is mediocre. Um, like it, <laughs> but there's a lot of dishes, so like you get a lot of mediocre. Like I don't know, you get a lot of mediocre dishes. Um, so they have pretty much all your stereotypical American dishes, like mac and cheese. Um, mm-hmm. none of their like cut like none of their meats are very good like they have the thing where you can have someone cut you a slice of turkey or ham or whatever like the meat of the day is um the only thing that i remember like thoroughly enjoying and thinking that this is above average is they have really good dinner rolls and they have this really good honey butter like spread that goes with it it's like trade yeah um everything else i thought was quite mediocre but it was one of those it was a compromise because they had so many things all the picky eaters could go there and find something to eat yep the dinner rolls and the jello <laughs> i find acceptable <laughs> there was another american food buffet kind of close to my house that has since shut down but they used to do this promotion um where you could where kids eat free on a certain day it was like a tuesday or something like that like kids eat free um and my family has a ton of kids so my uncle would fill his lexus up with all the kids and like we'd go to dinner um I didn't realize it was like so they had like this little coupon and like on Tuesdays like kids eat free and they like didn't very like clearly draw out the terms and conditions um so for a couple weeks like in a (laughs) row we went and he was like this is like the best deal like you can't possibly beat this and we were like what do you mean and he was like it's buy one get nine free um (laughs) I'm paying for my my meal and I'm like I'm the rest of y'all are paying for so then a couple weeks later we go to this restaurant and there's a sign there that's like coupons can only be used like every like three visits um and we're like that's because of us we know that that's because of us and now the restaurant has since shut down but good times (laughs) yeah i totally relate to that too every chance we get to use a coupon we'll we'll take advantage of it my mom is extremely frugal. Um, coupons, yes, but there are certain other things that, like, she picked up from my grandma, um, just in terms of, like, saving. Um, like, I don't know, she washes out all of, like, the Ziploc bags that she uses and then, like, reuses them, which now I do. And the same thing with, like, aluminum foil. So, like, she'll do anything that she can to, like, save money and like also she's like very into the environment so it's also partly that so and like there was also this thing that my grandma would do that she would like if there was like one olive left in the jar she like wouldn't she would save it but what she would do is like put a little olive juice in like a shot glass and put the olive in the shot glass and just like keep it in the fridge like that which I think is just Mm. like why don't you just like eat the olive but anyway 
coupons for sure but my mom had a bunch of other little things that she would do to like save save money and and the the ziploc bags are something that i will always remember and i do it now too so but we didn't we didn't i wouldn't say we went out to eat all that much growing up um but yeah yeah i kind of trailed off there but now i'm thinking yeah my family is a big coupon family and they're also a big like buy in bulk like family just because like when you buy things in bulk like flour it's so much cheaper um so we're very loyal sam's members um i have like my own sam's card in like missouri because i operate my household in the same way my mom does uh but I'm buying bulk for one, which is really funny. So, like, I just end up eating the same things, like, over and over again. But, I don't know. It doesn't bother me as much as it does, like, other people. I also remember we were really big into those rebate deals for a really long time where, like, stores would do a thing where, like, you could rebate the products and get, like, they would give you, like, pretty much, like, a voucher for how much the product costs if you bought, like, the certain product. And then, like, you could use it for the next time for you, like, to, like, on other purchases. So, it'd be, like, essentially getting the product free. Um and I remember when I was in the third grade, my mom would make me buy it. That way, like, she could buy one, and then I could buy one, and then my cousins could buy one. Um, so it'd be, like, all these people buying these things. And it was kind of like a scavenger hunt, finding the product, because they would never be, like, in an accessible place, because it's Walgreens, and like, the Walgreens format never makes sense, no matter which Walgreens you go to. There's a big Kohl's cash people. I don't know. Sometimes, like, watching, like, the transactions... Like, watching my parents pay for things is kind of terrifying sometimes because I see, like, all the coupons and discounts that they apply. And, like, you know the one on receipts when it's, like, you saved, like, this much? Like, they'll get these aggressively large numbers. And I'm like, how did you do that? It's so impressive. It's, like, you gotta do what you gotta do. And, like, it takes work. Like, it's easy to, like, ignore the deals and to, like, just, like, pay whatever. But it takes some work and dedication to get the deals. And I am always really impressed by people who do it really well extreme couponers i never saw that show but christine your family could be on that show <laughs> they honestly really could um there yeah. was also days where we like our favorite fast food restaurant by far is mcdonald's it was our thing growing up um because we got a good little play place uh and with a lot of kids like your parents just want you to be able to run around and do something but the one near us, they did a thing for a while where if you colored this coloring sheet, you'd get a free ice cream. Um, and you know us and free things. So I remember at one point, they like took a stack for like next time we went to like the McDonald's. And so we would do this thing where we would color before we went, we would get an ice cream right when we got there. Um, and then my aunt would wait for them to switch like the shifts of people like the workers because like they would like end up switching like usually the time that we were there so when there was a new cashier she'd be like y'all can go again and get another ice cream so then we'd get another worksheet and like turn it in again for like the second time um not us abusing yet another coupon system hey mcdonald's is a multi-million dollar corporation i think they can survive a couple ice cream losses oh christine our, our greatest um heist this this year or this past year. <laughs> I tell fond memories. That was an amazing decision. <laughs> Did we tell you about that, Julia? Um, I don't think so. She so was there was for it, but we never went into detail. But yeah, go ahead. I was really <laughs> craving like McNuggets with the sweet and sour sauce, um, just because that was my childhood dish. And when I was a debater um, and I got out at like 11 p.m., that was the only thing ever open in my hometown. 
So I have a very, very much a choir taste for chicken nuggets with uh, sweet and sour sauce. And I was like, Scott, order food with me. Just because like Postmates fees are so much for no reason. Um, or Uber. So we Uber eats it. And on the menu, buying like 20 chicken nuggets versus buying 40, it was, it was like $5 less to buy 40 chicken nuggets than for each of us to get 10 chicken nuggets each. Um, and it came with four drinks and four medium fries. So we ended up ordering four medium fries, 40 McNuggets. Actually, Jesse, I think we did this last year too at Trivia Night. And four medium sodas for like 15 bucks. And then like the five for like the Uber Eats driver to get there. Um, and it was some of my best work yet in terms of like bargaining. Yeah, the, the poor guy who did the math on that. I'm not sure how his... Um... <laughs> career endeavors at mcdonald's is looking but it hasn't been fixed it's been <laughs> just a glitch i feel like it should have been fixed by now but i did this last year in um february with jesse and then they were doing it when i left st louis so clearly someone just has not fixed the marketing on this not your problem to work out yeah, McDonald's is listening to this, being like, what are these people doing? Why why are our promotions like this? Why won't our McFlurry machine work? Um, oh, that's well, the word. Did you hear about the lawsuit about the hot coffee? Is that the one where they, like, like, the woman spilled it on herself and, like, burned herself? Yeah, so she sued McDonald's because, yeah, she, like, um, the coffee was super hot and she burned herself, which on the surface level sounds like ridiculous but in reality they found out that mcdonald's keeps their coffee at like such an insanely high temperature because it if they don't then it like goes bad faster and so they're trying to save money but then it's like literally putting their customers at in danger because it's like it's not just like hot coffee it's like freaking hot coffee so like you could literally get injured from it anyway that was a fascinating i think it was a 2020 thing maybe it was a 2019 thing but that was wild corporations just will do whatever they can to make a buck how dare i think i saw a similar lawsuit with starbucks a couple years back where like this woman sued them because they put too much ice in her refresher which then meant she didn't get the actual volume of the drink that she was paying for because well starbucks like if you ever watch them put how much ice in it it's insane um but that one's a little more ridiculous, but still a scam. That one's a little more ridiculous, but Capitalism, yeah. man. Look, I'm here for fighting back corporations, exploiting people's money. Always here for ethical buying practices, local restaurants, small businesses. What are some of your favorite um, local businesses? Um, Northwest Coffee is, like, my favorite, like, St. Louis coffee shop, and it's, like, locally owned, St. Louis, Black-owned business. Um, in terms of, like, for food, um, I love, um, Layla in the Grove. They have really good falafel and burgers and milkshakes. Um, what else? Oh, there's a bunch that I love. Those are the two that like just came off the top of my head in St. Louis, but there's such good food around here. So I just, well, there's also other businesses that aren't food, but we're on the topic of food. So, and Scott, you're like a native St. Louisan, so I'm sure you have some takes on this too. But Christine, what have you tried around here that are some of your favorite local businesses? 
I low-key don't think I've tried a ton of local businesses in St. Louis, which makes me sad. Um, just because I was only here for a little bit over a semester before the world shut really? down. Um, I've been to Fitz's. Um, I had to get the keg there mm-hmm. for kegger. And Jesse and I went. They Fitz's <laughs> is so good. I don't know if Corner 17 is local. I'm not sure it is, but had many of Corner 17 runs um, in my time at college. Uh, I mentioned Hideaway Pizza earlier. I literally went there yesterday, but look how beautiful this pizza is. Like, it's absolutely insane. Um, wow. It's my favorite Oklahoma, like, spot, and they do a ton of work with education. Um, and I'm always about, like, supporting businesses that do a lot of work in the community and are always, like, giving back. So they, they do a lot of work with, like, teachers and stuff like that. And that pepperoni palooza is just my favorite thing on the planet. Um, there was a local coffee shop I used to go to all the time in high school called Aspen, which is like pretty much your stereotypical like hippie coffee shop. Like the whole thing is like white. Um, they have all the cute little black letter boards and it's like one of those places like every person in your hometown is in. Um, cause every time I end up like stopping in there, I always end up running into people that I knew from high school when I'm back home, like a very Hallmark character moment where like you run into people, um, small town celebrity vibes or, like, you know half the people there for, like, for, like, from your actual high school, you know the other half from, like, some other activity you do, and, like, the only other people you don't know are, like, business professionals that are going to get their coffee, so just being able to, like, visit that place and do work there, uh, (laughs) um, I called myself a small town celebrity, thank you very much, Julia, I, um, am from a, like, I'm not from, like, the most small, like, population town, but it acts very much like a small town in that everyone knows each other very much so, and my cousins are always getting on my head that every time I come home and I drive them to Target, I always end up running from someone in high school, and then I do the thing where I, like, pretend to go to a different aisle and try to zoom past them before they see me, and my cousins are like, why are you speeding up? Um, or someone will come from behind sometimes and start talking to me, and then my cousins will be like, Every time we go to Target, we have to stand there while Christine talks to people that she hasn't even talked to in two years since she left. Um, so it's like one of those places. Back on that. Huh? I just wanted to circle back on that. Not just that everyone in your town knows each other, but that everyone knows you and you're a celebrity. I was in a lot of things. Sure that's what you were trying to say. I was just in a lot of things in high school, so I know a lot of people in not only my high school, but, like, the other two high schools in town, um, and then in the surrounding high schools, so, um, like, the other day, my dad went to the tire shop, and the kid that was fixing his car went to middle school and high school with me, um, not friends at all, but he was just, like, yeah, I know Christine, I mean, I was, like, he came home, and he's, like, there's this kid that was, like, fixing my car, and he went to your high school, what was his name again, um, I was, like, listing every name on the planet for, like, a cool minute, and I was, like, oh, yeah, I know that kid, He's a bit of a mess. That's funny because he probably could have been like your best friend too. And have you seen those jokes about like how dads like never know your friends' names and it could be someone that's like you've known since you were five and like has been at your house like a million times and your dad still yeah. is like, what's their My- name? And it's like, you you know them, dad. Like you, you know this person very well. <laughs> yes. Or they'll start describing things about, like, they'll be able to list a bunch of details about this person, but not know their name. But not their name. Because um, kind they of like Gary. Like, know what their parents do and, like, know random things about their parents, but then, mm-hmm. like, don't even know this kid's name. And I'm like, this is, like, my childhood best friend. What? 
<laughs> one of my best friends from high school, Alyssa, who I've known for forever, um, they still do not know her name. And she comes and drives me all the time to places. Like, she's been coming over since we were juniors in high school. And they'll be like, every time I go with her, they're like, who are you going with? Who's Alyssa again? Is she the one that came over to work on the psych project one time and I made spaghetti and quail? Um, the one with a lot of siblings. <laughs> I remember this uh, story. The, the one with yellow hair. That one? And I'm like, yes, that's Alyssa. I love to hear when certain things are just so universal to parents. <laughs> it sounds like Gary, too. Gary totally does this. <laughs> well, Gary doesn't know my name still, and I've been, I'm serving, as, I'm a second termer on CSU, and he doesn't know my name. <laughs> Once this podcast goes live, I'll send it to him, and then he'll never forget your name. <laughs> uh, well. He told me I was flawless, and he still doesn't know my name. <laughs> oh, yeah. She was a She's president of uh, CSU, and she was on that podcast. What was her name again? <laughs> I've rewritten his prayer intentions for the interns, and he still doesn't know my name. <laughs> That's probably why. Because <laughs> well, like not the best at prayer intentions back in the day. And, like, Gary prayer intentions are already a time and a half to deal with, because, like, it'll catch his radio <laughs> um, sound. <laughs> yeah. literally voice message I was doing so funny. yeah because well, he like talks into his phone to type because he doesn't like to type um but Jesse and I were debunking this one because she was like Christine I don't even know what this means because in the middle of it it was talking about NASA um, <laughs> <laughs> like during like the spaceship launch Eric recently got one and the phrase in it was Sunday vodka and we still to this day are like what did that even mean but it provided us with a lot of entertainment you should do an episode where you just try to translate the talk to text from gary wait that'd be really fun that'd be really fun actually because if you (laughs) asked him to be a guest he's like he's so busy that he probably couldn't do it but if you just sent him a list of questions and then he would talk to text the answers and then you could just (laughs) go on and translate live translate Scott can read it in his Gary voice, including Uh, Gary. I can read it in my Gary voice. (laughs) Gary, what was your favorite? Gary, what what was your favorite childhood memory? Ah, three hippos and five platypus. (laughs) I I don't know. I just made that up, but. One of my favorite recent Gary lines was that one homily he was giving about St. Francis and St. Clair, and he was talking about, you know, I gave a, a mixtape oh, no. to my first girlfriend, my second girlfriend, and my third one, and we were like, Gary, how many did you have? He's like, I don't really know. I think the best part was that one of them was, like, watched his homily on the CSC YouTube channel, and she, like, reached out to him about it. I'm like, that's so classic that, like, he's still good friends with, like, his ex-girlfriends, and they, like, talk to him. I don't know. I just think that's, like, classic. You know, certain people's personalities, they're just, like, really, like, easy to get along with, so it's, like, of course he would still be, like, friends with his ex-girlfriend. He's a priest. Like, it's just funny. It's just such a Gary move. Ansel and I were like, he seems like the boyfriend in high school that like, you would, like, the girlfriend would be trying to make plans, like, really desperately being like, can we just pick a time and a day? And then after, like, <laughs> we did, 
for like weeks. So like, we're going to do like next Wednesday at 7.30. Jerry would not be there. And then you'd call me like, oh, like I forgot. <laughs> Gosh darn. I'll be there in like this two hours from now work for you. <laughs> oh, this is so accurate. <laughs> I'm I'm dead. I I don't know how. Well, I guess that's 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 why he needs Sarah. <laughs> I don't know what he would do like without an administrative assistant. Sarah's truly an angel. Mhm. <clears throat> yep. Like she and Jeff, they're, they're holding this place together. <laughs> like one of the f funniest um like voice to text conversations like of Gary that I've. And I just overheard was he was he was texting Jeff and it was something about the kitchen but like we were all sitting out like in the in the comments and like you just see Gary walk by and then all you could hear was his voice he's like something really smells in the kitchen get back here and fix it <laughs> honestly what a diva I remember at the beginning of the year when Sonia and I were first talking about like reforming sacramental offerings and how to fix everything. Um, he looked at us and he was just like, well, if I wanted to do confessions, I just, I don't want to sit there. I would get bored. Is there any way I could just leave mine that's like out back if you need to confess, like come find me? Um, and Sawyer and I were like, no, you cannot do that. What if someone wants like privacy? Um, or like, what if you leave like where you say you are? And he's like, well, they'll, they'll just find me. I'm sure they will. Um, and he's just such a free spirit. I've seen him. I remember one time I was like walking to the CSC at seven in the morning and I see this man walking in circles around the butterfly garden. Um, and it's when there's like ice in St. Louis. You know when it's snowing in St. Louis, but not really. So the ground is slippery, but there's nothing sticking. Um, so the ground is super slippery, but nothing's sticking. So it doesn't look like it's snowing. So I'm walking to the CSC and he's like, hey, like from the street. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Um, and I'm like, yeah, oh, he's like, it's real slippery out here. Okay. And I'm like, thanks, Gary. Thanks for the heads up. Um, and then he just continues to walk in circles without a coat on. He's just wearing his Princeton sweatshirt um, in circles around the butterfly garden. He's so casual. It just, I mean, it really is great when you think about it. Like, I feel like there's some people that could, like, just be very, um, I don't know, hard to get to know or, like, definitely, I don't know. You know what I'm saying. So, wow, I just lost my train of thought. Anyway, he's really casual, and I feel like makes it easy to feel comfortable around him, which I always appreciate in any kind of person, but, like, especially a priest, I feel like. I'm going to like re-listen to this podcast and be like, what the heck was I talking about? And why did I say like 15 times? Same. Oh, don't I, worry. Did I, I not I take public class in high school? <laughs> I'm so bad about it. But when I'm speaking impromptu, I almost can't help it. It's weird. Mm -hmm. It's a fluency thing. Yep. Usually when like these episodes run like an hour long, it's because 10 minutes of those is me going um <laughs> I, like the most I've cut out like is 15 minutes worth of ums for me <laughs> and it, it's bad and I, it's like wow I really need to work on this 
cut out more of my likes. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. also, it's easier to talk like that because it's a conversation, you know, it's one thing if you're like up at a podium and you're like, okay, I have to be professional. But when you're just talking to your friends, you know, you talk like this, the, you know, that's another one. That's another bad one. You know, yep. I had a meeting with a speak like a career coach earlier this year and she was getting on my head for speaking so fast um and also for adding like so many times but I was almost I was, now now I'm like cognizant about it but I I can't help but speak fast because things sound so much quicker in my like slower in my head than like the way they're coming out which is I don't know I think it's like part of like being like, able to speak multiple languages, like, the speeds just don't necessarily, like, line up. Also, just people thinking at different, like, different paces. But it's interesting. It's one of those things that's really hard to work on, I feel like, because it's so instinctual. That's so true. And if you can be understood, like, that was one of the, like, most fascinating things that I or not fascinating, but I took a, a Spanish linguistics class my senior year, and it was about, um, it was called Advanced Spanish Grammar. And so it sounds really like boring, really like boring, really boring um, at the beginning because you're like, oh, it's just about grammar. But it was actually about how like different dialects of Spanish use grammar differently and how we have this perspective of like there's correct and there's incorrect. But in reality, like spoken language is just different than written language. And so trying to hold written language and spoken language to the same standard is really unrealistic and kind of ridiculous and like I don't know people just have different dialects and use language differently and if you can be understood then you're speaking correctly so that was pretty mind-blowing because we're taught that there's a right way to speak and there's a wrong way to speak and of course there's something to be said for if you're doing public speaking cutting down on like and um but in general if you can be understood then you're speaking correctly mind-blowing I was in competitive like speech and debate for four years in high school so I remember having to do all these crazy exercises because there's almost this mold that I feel like we really want people to speak and sound like when they're conversing um which is your stereotypical usually like a male voice um very fluent very articulate very slow and like charismatic um which I definitely did not come from that mold. So they would make me do these like strange exercises where I had a tub of all my evidence because I was really extra. Um, it was like a 20 pound tub and I would like carry it to tournament stuff. But I would have to sit, like stand there and hold it because like it like plays with your diaphragm or something like that to where it makes your voice deeper. Um, so learning to like tone your voice down to a deeper tone um, because it, it's viewed as more favorable um, or like doing weird exercises where you, I would like put in my retainer and give like speeches a lot just because it makes it so much harder to articulate to where like once you don't have it in it's so much easier um i know some people do things where they read backwards or um put like things in their mouth like pens and stuff but it's so interesting like how much work that people have to put in to get to that one like one size fit all model that we like view as like the best form of speech or like the desirable form of speech I know, Scott, you were in music um, in high school. Did it make you do any, like, crazy exercises or, like, things like that that stick out to you? Nothing too crazy. Um, like, uh, like, 
<laughs> um, and um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, in band, the piano player, and it's not really much like outside of doing scales and like arpeggios and all of that just to, you know, <clears throat> keep like ma maintaining like dexterity um, and like proper like hand technique and all of that. I'm trying to remember. But wait, actually, in jazz band, I remember we would like every every Friday as like part of like our warm up. We would always play this this piece called Babel's Tower. It was the most random thing ever, and <laughs> I just remember like the poor um, like brass section. They <laughs> they had like the worst um, musical. Uh, line to go through, um, like they're they're always like you know arpeggios here, then da 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 da, and I'm just sitting over the piano and I'm just playing chords. I'm just done, 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 and I'm just watching my my poor classmates suffer through this because he made us play it like faster, like every every week. He's like, oh, well, we played a hundred beats beats this past week. Now we're up to a hundred and thirty. Good luck. And I was like, oh, great, just sit here and play chords again. But, <laughs> I mean, other than that, nothing too wild. <laughs> but now you're a world-famous pianist, so, you know, guess it paid off. Well, I don't know about world-famous. <laughs> I'm just being dramatic. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't have main character syndrome. <laughs> Probably a good thing. <laughs> I actually explained the whole main character thing to my family over um, when I was with them for break and they thought it was really funny because immediately they were like oh yeah that's you I was like okay <laughs> bye we <laughs> enjoy character um, <laughs> syndrome so the fact that we were able to get along so well is kind of surprising because usually main characters don't like other main characters there's only no, I respect them. There's a respect there, you know. Well, I think it's also because there's not enough at the CFD, so like the density is fine. Because when there's too many main characters, sometimes I get a little annoyed. Um, and then I do more. Whole, yeah, I characters. would say my whole um, friend group in college was filled with main characters, and sometimes it was a lot, and we had to like take breaks from each other because it was like, oh my gosh, we're just gonna be yelling all at the same time. Not not even like mad yelling, just like. You know what it's like, Christine. Sometimes when you're in an area with like a lot of main characters, there's just yelling because you're just trying to communicate and that's how well, the communication comes out. Most main characters are yell talkers is what I've like found in my experience. And I think that's partially like, cause my family has a ton of people. So if you're not a yell talker, no one's gonna hear you. Um, so now I'm just used to such a heightened sense of like volume mm -hmm. that like if I go back down, it sounds too quiet. Um, but I know people called me out on it all the time when I got to college. They were like, you're like, I could hear you from downstairs. I'm like, yep. Whoops. Bad. Mm. Yeah. I think if you're a middle child, too, then like you tend to be a main character. I feel like it's either, it's one of two extremes. It's either mm -hmm. you're a main character because you need to yell to be heard and you need to like be dramatic so that you can like stand out or you kind of just like fit in and like go below the radar or under the radar and like are therefore not a main character but I would say my middle child mm -hmm. syndrome and main character syndrome 
are one and the same. <laughs> Complimenting each other. One of my favorite main character moments when I really realized that I was a main character was Jesse um, <laughs> and everyone else at the CSD had crowdfunded these karaoke mics. Um, yep because we wanted to have karaoke night at Ruby or Kegger. So we bought these microphones because it was so much cheaper than like renting a room. Um, so Jesse and I were like, we'll just try them out at like the intern house. And like, she lived in the upstairs one. So you know how like sound doesn't really like travel from like side to side, but like up and down, it really does. Like you can hear people upstairs um, way better than you can hear the people right next to you. So <laughs> Jesse and I like put this together and we like are like using the speaker and we're like singing a bunch of like really angsty, like Taylor Swift. Um, coupled with some other random songs and like we we're like these are not loud enough they're not even that loud like what did we just pay for how dare it do this to us we we're like it you can only like slightly hear it um you can barely hear anything at all and we were like it's not loud enough for us it's not flashy enough even though the whole thing like lights up in the front like the rainbow mm -hmm. lights up in the front we're like it's, yep. it's not enough um so the next day we go to complain about it me and jesse were like can you believe that we pay 25 bucks for each one of these microphones for them not to be loud? And Mary Grace, who was in the downstairs house the entire night, was like, oh, trust me, they're loud enough. I heard you the entire night. Um, every single word that y'all were singing, we could hear from downstairs. Those microphones are good enough. You two just, like, need some help. I also would add that I don't think the, the floor is, like, extremely, our floor slash the downstairs ceiling is very thick because I can always hear ye Eric yelling on the phone and they tell me that they can hear me like Sawyer I think is here she can probably hear this entire conversation well no not the entire conversation you can't hear specific words but you can just hear loud talking so always know when someone's home that's how that's how you identify the main characters yeah that's why I give off side character vibes I like being an extra in the background so I think Eric and I were actually talking one time about the idea of me being secretly the villain. <laughs> so <laughs> I have no idea, but I don't know. I think I could make a good villain. I don't know. What do you guys think? Because you would, villain would I be? Like, I feel like a good villain, like you don't expect it coming. And so people are like, oh, Scott, he's so nice. And then he ends up taking over the world. I don't see it unless there's, like, a very tragic story. You know what I mean? Like, there would have to be some, like, weird event that happens that makes him decide to be, like, this dark person. Um, True. Because Jesse and I have talked, and I think I would be the character that people have... I would have a very divisive um, audience. Like, people would either really like me as a character or really hate me as a character, and there wouldn't be any in between. Um, and people would probably get on my head for making really bad and impulsive and stupid choices. So, you know, those characters that people always, like, you know how people always roast Rory Gilmore for, like, everyone of her decisions? Because goodness knows there's a splur of, like, terrible ones. Um, apparently, I'd be one of those characters. People are like, why does she just keep making bad decisions? Why can't she just make good decisions? Why would she do something so stupid? <laughs> but she kept it interesting for seven seasons, so. <laughs> for seven whole seasons. And with that, I think we're coming to a close on today's episode. So thank you, Julia, for taking the time out of your busy, busy main character life um, to come chat with us about literally everything in between, um, from food to fast food restaurants uh, to books. And then probably back again, because um, goodness knows we can't talk in a straight line. Um, and then Scott, I'm going to say thank you. 
of me telling you what to do. How dare. This well, thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks for hanging out. This was fun. Yeah, that was awesome. Thanks again, Julia. <clears throat> yeah, and another final word of thanks to a couple of people who made this podcast possible. To Jesse Martinez, our executive producer, to Liz Murphy, our marketing consultant and designer, to Eric Stars, our public affairs director, and to Michael Schreiner, our strategy consultant. See you all next time and stay cultured and loud. <laughs>